The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Yes, a world premiere. I'm RJ Bell, and this is Don't Bet On It. Don't Bet On It. Wait a minute, RJ. You're always telling us to bet. That's true, but you got to know what not to bet on. I'm joined by Steve Cofield. If you listen to Fox National Radio, straight out of Vegas, Steve is the host. He's the, the manager. He sits at the top of the pyramid. But here's the reality. This guy, Steve Cofield, has been trafficking in hot takes for 25 <laughs> years on local radio, national radio. And that's what this show is about, is we take the hot takes, the biggest ones that are out there in the media universe in 2018, and we tell from the Vegas perspective what's wrong with them. Are they right? Are they wrong? And the way we like to say it is we take the hot takes, but they get trumped with cold cash. Cofield, tell us a little bit about do you feel guilty about all those years making a big living off of hot takes? Big living. No, because I haven't made a big living. No, trafficking in hot takes is awesome. And it's gotten better over the years. I'm more in a hot takes now than I've ever been. So was there an evolution? Because I think you, you're one of these like high IQ guy. You know, you hide it sometimes, but a high IQ guy who tries to like be above like the, the, the primal urges of the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. Yeah, Stephen A. is a great motivator. <laughs> you just mentioned the big living I've made. He's making like six mil a year. So is Skip. So That's what, it cracks me up when you hear radio people and they're like, oh, Skip, Stephen A. Smith and Skip. Yeah, you should do the same thing. I mean, you can still be intelligent and traffic in hot takes. You can do both. <laughs> so I, I love we're going to shame the guys making the most money. What are we, stupid? So is this like one of those examples... Is this one of those examples of if you can't beat him, join him? Yes. It's my come to Jesus moment like two years ago because I'm pushing 50. I'm an old guy. I want to make money. Game done changed. Game the same. Just got more fits. You're changing the game. Baby. Exactly. Well, I didn't change it. They changed it. I'm just along for the ride. You have to be. You're right. You're right. But I love, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And guys, here's what you should know for sure. There are no sacred cows on don't bet on it, but we don't ever attack the person. We attack their feeble idea, not feeble. Maybe we're getting off on the wrong uh -oh. track. <laughs> we attack their unsound idea. And just so you know, there are no sacred cows. Our first hot take we're going to examine from, let's be honest, my buddy, Colin Cowherd. Uh oh, it's been what? Eight years. I've known Colin and, He's been a great friend and we've had a great relationship on air, but when he has a hot take, Colin is going down. Stephen A, he's been a good friend. I, I mean, not as close, but I've done his show for four years. If he has a hot take, he's going down. Clay Travis, it doesn't matter. No sacred cow. Is there anyone, Cofield, that you want to like stay away from because of some political, you know, you might want a job one day kind of crap? Well, in my case, I would say all of them because <laughs> I work for everyone and I want to work for everyone. So, uh, if you're willing to risk Fox Sports Radio and your ESPN national spots, then I guess I'm along for the ride. All right, let's go. All right, so we're going to start with Mr. Cowherd. And obviously, the big talk this week 
was about the Cavs and the Cavs trade. But remember, we will be talking about what the Cavs gained in that trade, but we know what they gave up. And what they gave up was Isaiah Thomas. And man, oh man, there's been some hot takes about Isaiah Thomas. Here's Colin. He loves playing for the Lakers now, one whole game. He said, you know, you see the bench every time I was shooting in L.A. with the Lakers. They were standing up cheering. That was the feeling I had in Boston, happiness and joy. I'm happy to be in Los Angeles to get that joy and happiness back. You see the bench every time I was shooting. They were standing up and cheering. Can I just say this? You're a little needy. To me, there is an all-out assault on Isaiah. I think it is absurd. I think it's absurd, and I'm going to break that down. But, Cofield, let's get your take first. I agree with Colin. All right, then. Stop, I pretty much stop, will every stop, time. No. Stop. <laughs> I, I think Isaiah Thomas is needy, and I think the jig is up on Isaiah Thomas. I think he was enveloped in a, a great organization with a really good coach, and, yeah, he was a leading scorer, but I think they covered up for a lot of his weaknesses, and now we're finding out one of his biggest weaknesses is his ego. And he doesn't need to have the ego if he's part of a true winning mix. It, it says a lot about a guy who goes with the greatest player of this generation and then wants to still be me guy and get appreciation. Like, that's not the way it works. Just fill your spots, follow along, and LeBron will take you to the promised land. Okay. I, I mean, listen, how many years you've been on local talk? 25? <laughs> I see... This kind of stuff works there. It's not going to work on Don't Bet On It. Let's just get the facts straight. So last year... Don't give me points per game, please. Last year, Isaiah Thomas was fifth in MVP voting. Okay. We can all talk about, oh, I knew something that the consensus media didn't. And if so, I don't necessarily want to hear it because I don't believe you. But <laughs> he, it was a foregone conclusion or let's say this, it was a high likelihood that he was going to get a max deal. I never believed that. <laughs> I said I didn't want to hear that. But what, <laughs> fair enough. I'm not saying it was going to be from the Celtics, but that was the debate. Like, are the Celtics really going to pay him the max? Or are they going to let him go get a max somewhere else? Now, that was the conversation. And it does suck because he's making, as good as he's been the last couple of years, he's making $6 million a year. It's you know compared to some of the guys around the league are making 27 mil a year who are, you know, numbers wise, not as good a player. This guy thought he was going to have generational wealth and he played through injury. He was, let me ask you this in the last five years, I've had to say, put me a couple people up to compare to the team mentality. The, the, I don't care if I'm hurt. I don't care what happens to me personally. It's what happens to the team that matters in the NBA that would, you would put up next to Isaiah. I have no idea. You spend spend 40 hours a week immersed in sports media. Yeah, I don't have some warrior that comes to mind that played through injury. So he could be lauded for that. That's fine. Okay, so it's the great line from North Dallas 40. Mm -hmm. Or every time I tell you it's a game, you tell me it's a business. And every time I tell you it's a business, you tell me it's a game. So he was playing it like a game. Now, Danny Ainge, even Bill Simmons was talking about cutthroat. Right? Hey, you're not getting. In fact, we're trading you. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you 80 million. We're trading you the last year of your contract. I'm not blaming Danny Ainge, but he got a little. Let's say a little back knife action. I think it's fair to say. And then he goes to the Cavs, and who knows what happened in Cleveland, right? I mean, are we sure what's happened other than Isaiah and LeBron were in conflict? 
Like, can we, do we know much more than that? Reports were that if there wasn't a ringleader going anti Kevin Love when they flipped out on him about three Sundays ago, that the guy doing it was Isaiah Thomas. And considering the history of Isaiah Thomas as a team player and the history of Kevin Love as a team player, who would you side on knowing nothing else but that? Probably Love. Oh. <laughs> what? What? This is the guy that just gave up his max contract for his team. Now somehow he's doing something against the team winning. Yeah, I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas is a chemistry guy. And I think you have to be a chemistry guy. And I also think you have to be a chemistry guy when you're playing with LeBron James. If you're a great player, I think you fill a role and you recognize roles. And sometimes you're not the guy on a team. So we've got some sound from Chris Broussard, Fox Radio. And by the way, that call-in sound was Fox also, as you could guess. And he had a thought on LeBron versus Isaiah. It's human nature for Isaiah to be upset. That doesn't mean you come out publicly and say it. He's a man. If he wants to battle LeBron James and push back, that's his prerogative. That's fine. My thing is for your career, for you on the free agent market this summer, this does not help your cause. You are not going to win a battle with LeBron James. Nobody in the league, even if you're right, he is a three-time champion. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I totally trust Broussard on this because when you hear a basketball insider speak like that, I assume what he was just saying is basically echo from what he's heard around the league. That people have already said it. Like, man, he picked the wrong fight, and there are a lot of personnel people and GMs and owners who are like, you know what? We don't want that guy because he doesn't get it. But maybe he gets it if it is that the team matters most. Meaning, if he knows, I mean, he. do you think, I, I don't know Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if he has an IQ of 70 or 170. So I can't say how smart he is to think this stuff through. But did you, do you have any sense that he thought fighting with LeBron would help him make money next year? No, he never processed that at all. All right. Or did he process it or say, I don't care because I'm more worried about getting this team straight? Was he more worried about getting the team straight or more worried about him getting respect and him carving out his leadership spot on the team? Because it sounds to me like he was more worried about himself than the team. And what, LeBron wasn't nice to me. He was a little disrespectful to me. Yeah, that's the way it is, bro. Why? Because if you're, the fifth best, if you're the fifth best player in the league, you probably should at least be treated with some respect. We're going back to the beginning of the argument. He's not the fifth best player in the league. You're not Kyrie Irving. But is, you he, are is, he better, is he better than Kevin Love? I would say comparable player. Okay. Kevin so, Love can't defend either, but Kevin Love is also a great passer and a great rebounder. IT is basically a scorer, so, which, so, which has so, some value. So he's a he's a short, more consistent J.R. Smith. So he's, is he unequivocally the third best team in the, uh, player on the Cavs? On that team as they were comprised? Yes. Who Who's the fourth? I want to hear who you were well, thinking there's a, about. There's a big, there's a big drop on it. <laughs> okay, point. so it's, clearly, it's just, sadly, it's actually some of the guys they just told to so hit the two A and two B. Sure. Okay, so the idea that he's not getting respect. Now the question is, was that not getting respect and it's BS and he really was, or not, who knows? But I'll tell you this: if someone disagrees with LeBron, Broussard, I have no doubt that within the fraternity of the NBA, you're picking on. You know, you're fighting the guy with as much power as anybody. But if we're talking about righteousness, who's right and who's wrong, is it better than a coin flip? If LeBron's in conflict with another player, that LeBron's right? I would favor LeBron, but since we just saw it happen with Kyrie Irving, 
we know LeBron can be a freaking handful. But that's also that's the difference between Kyrie Irving is a franchise player. I'm just not sure that Isaiah Thomas can command that respect. And, I, and my LeBron whole, couldn't get along with either of them. My whole thing is, well, he got along well enough with Kyrie to win a championship. Yeah. So he clearly in 15 so, games. So that was like, when Kyrie was willing to sublimate himself to be second yes. fiddle, like to like bow in his head. But sometimes that's what's necessary. The NBA is a star league. There's always going to be a one, a two, and a three. And sometimes the two, I mean, the Celtics are a great example. But, but if you're remember, the, when, remember when Colin, Colin had one of the greatest lines ever. He didn't like the trio coming together of Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett. There simply were not going to be enough basketballs to go around. Well, you know what? They acquiesced. They found a way to, you know, mix in roles. And even Ray John Rondo worked on the team, and he's a lunatic. But, Cofield, you're making my point, is there wasn't one There wasn't one of those three on the Celtics that said, I'm the best, and it doesn't matter. I mean, what's Kyrie won to what? Is Kyrie the seventh best player in the league right now? Not bad. Yeah, I'd say top ten player. All right, so if you're a top 10 player and you're with the best player, isn't it probably 50-50 that the top 10 player should understand he's not the best, right? Half, Mm -hmm. and the other half should be the number one should understand, you know how lucky it is that I have another top 10 guy on this team? I got to go out of my way to show him respect. But the point I'm saying, if you look at LeBron's history, you look at Isaiah Thomas's history, you look at Kevin Love's history, the idea that the assumption is that Isaiah Thomas is caring about things selfishly. Somehow LeBron's always worried about the team. LeBron's worried about LeBron. He doesn't even care about his team. He'll go to the next team next year without even thinking about it. And I'm not saying he's wrong, but let's admit LeBron is about LeBron. And Isaiah Thomas has shown he's about more than LeBron or I'm sorry, more than just himself last year with the Celtics. You just said you cannot find another example of someone being so courageous and so team oriented. I don't think I said all that, but no, what, what, I, didn't, I didn't have someone coming to mind immediately. Who which means you can't. That means you can't find someone better. I'm sure there's someone else on the same level. But to say that it cares more about the team than LeBron does, LeBron cares about the team, and LeBron has also played hurt. LeBron has played worn down. I, I, he took off like ten days. Like, uh, uh, what was it? January before last, when he, he's a little sore? To be ready for the playoffs. <laughs> okay. So, and I'm not saying I'm sure Isaiah's right, but I just don't understand how we're just presupposing he's not. Maybe they have reporting that somehow they can't report. Yeah. I'm voting for Isaiah. And again, guys, we're not looking to get our own hot takes with the hot takes. We want to dig into them. And topic two, related topic here, the Cavs. They gave up a lot of players, obviously, got back players, and boy, oh boy, have their odds improved. They have improved. I'm basing it on my opinion. When I first saw the trades, I was like, man, they are packing it in, building for the future. Now they have hurt their chances at the title. You heard the opposite. Well, first, let's be objective here. If you look at the East odds, which makes it even simpler because people are so high on Golden State that kind of gets lost in the shuffle how good these East teams are because they're all so much worse, it would seem, than Golden State. Before the trade, the Cavs, the Raptors, the Celtics were all 2-1 to one to win the East. After the trade, Cavs went from 2-1 to one to even money, plus 100, and Celtics went to plus 280. 100 wins you 280. And the Raptors went to plus 450. It doesn't seem like there's much debate. Now, this was the trade plus two games, one very impressive against the Celtics, one pretty impressive against OKC. So 
if you listen to first take, watch first take, listen to all the shows. I mean, the talk now is, oh, <laughs> oh, this thing is the East is locked up and we've got Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, you got to bring the Shaq daddy in when you've got the questions and the Shaq daddy is talking about the Cavs here. Do they have enough for Golden State? I don't really think so because, you know, Golden State, Juggernaut, they got, they got four guys. You know, they got the three Hall of Famers, and then you can't discount Draymond Green. Uh, will they come out of the East? Yes, they will definitely come out of the East. They, they are uh, substantially better, you know, playing with a lot more energy. You know, the guys have not really had a full practice yet, but you see them rotating on defense and, you know, shooting the ball well and, and playing well. But are they ready for Golden State? No. Last summer, after they lost to Golden State, they tried to rebuild for Golden State, you know, by bringing D-Wade and those guys. It, it didn't work out. You know, guys are playing real cool. But these young guys that LeBron got coming in now, they're playing a little bit hungry. So, Cofield, it, it feels like they should. The East should just all pack it up. <laughs> Substantially better is a little ridiculous. I mean, it's they not- have a chance to be better. After two games, I have no idea if they're substantially better. We got to calm down. Uh, I mean, but I mean, it's not about substantially better. It's about even if we assume the move from plus 200 to plus 100 is not an overreaction, which I think it is. I think maybe plus 200 to plus 150, maybe I'm going to make the case. We, this team might be worse in the playoffs, but even if we accept they're even money to win the East Shaq's like, Hey, these other teams should go home, which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I agree. And how do you discount the Celtics? After the season they've had, now they're in a little swoon right now, but how do you discount the Celtics? They have the better coach. Is there anyone going to argue with that? No. I Brad mean, Stevens I, against Some Luke. people think he's the best coach in the league. He's the better coach, and he's had his team together, and they're getting a little more healthy, while LeBron and Lou have to pull this together in about 25 games for the playoffs. And that was the second point, and that's such a good point, is the entire offseason – the Cavs front office tried to ascertain, determine how they can beat the Warriors. By the way, who's the front office that you're talking about? LeBron? Is it LeBron? <laughs> I don't know. You would you would hope. If the Cavs were smart, you would hope they'd be trying to play. I actually them. think before the season was LeBron, I think these trades were Kobe Altman. This looked like a GM who was making the moves. The other moves look like emotion, bringing on a bunch of old guys, telling J.R. Smith, yeah, you can stay around. And then like five games in, you're like, why the hell did I do that? That's LeBron, the GM. Uh, don't go against LeBron. You might get in I trouble. love LeBron. <laughs> but that's also, you know, hey, guess what? Tristan Thompson gets to play center again. LeBron, why did you give him $18 million a year? We can't do anything with this guy. Those are LeBron-like moves. Well, let's be candid, right? There's a lot of incestuousness with LeBron and his agent and other players. And Tristan Thompson is represented by Rich Paul and company. So... Hmm, that's interesting. Isaiah is hurting his own pocketbook to win. And we're moving forward. Uh, but <laughs> but somehow LeBron's like, I'm so good. He's figuring I'm so good. Yeah. You can and it's one thing if it was the owner's money. Meaning if there was no salary cap and it was like, hey, F this guy. I don't like him anyway. If I can get an extra 30 for my boy, great. 30 mil example. Great. But the the, the most precious resource. In the NBA is your salary cap dollars. Yep. So if you spend them on, you know, Tristan Thomas or whatever, it's not getting spent somewhere else. So, hmm. but here's the thing. I'm not sure LeBron's approach was wrong. Meaning what wins in the postseason? experience, right or wrong? 
experience, but not if they're super long in the tooth. No, if they're bad, they're bad. But decent, if you could, let, let me ask you this question. If you just look on paper, yeah. and I'm not talking about careers, because obviously Dwayne Wade's a top 20 player of all time. But based on 2018, on the court, assuming everyone's trying their hardest, and that's a caveat, but we'll talk about that. Who was better, the players the Cavs traded or the players the Cavs got? Well, by reputation? No, based on what by, they by did? true merit this season. I think they actually have a better group of players now. By, by a significant degree? No. All right. So let's say it's tight on paper. Here's the difference. This group now is younger. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that help? It helps in two ways. But neither of those ways will help them win a title this year. One way is they're going to have more wins in the regular season because they're playing. These young guys are going to be more energized. But the premise of your whole decision in the offseason was that the regular season doesn't really matter. As long as LeBron gets in the playoffs, that last home game doesn't matter because we're never going seven. Home court only matters if you go seven. Right? We're not going seven. We're not going to be going state record no matter what. So we're against the West. We will be the not have the home field if you're the Cavs, but we're going to beat anyone in the East with or without home court. So that's the premise, right? Agreed. Sure. All right. So they're, they're trading youth for after this year. If LeBron leaves, right? Which is very likely they're trading wins in the regular season that we've, they already presuppose don't matter for what? for guys playing hard in the playoffs with experience. Because the problem with the Dwayne Wade was the ups and downs. Some days he played, some days he didn't. You don't think he's going to play in the playoffs? So it's like, and, and that's what he said. They constituted, Shaq said, they constituted the team to be a certain kind of older experienced team for the playoffs. They lost so many games in January. They freaked out and now they've changed their plan. And I can't imagine this team's better in the playoffs. Yeah, but I think they're still on the same plan. I think the plan, as soon as they decided to trade Kyrie Irving, this was, this is LeBron's team. Help him. But when you need to get out of the way, get out of the way. And with the older guys, I think there's some ego there and some resistance to that, especially with Isaiah Thomas. LeBron has to carry the team no matter what. Let him carry the team. Don't be a pain in the ass and get in his way. These young guys and George Hill is an older guy. I already, George Hill already said it was yesterday. He's like, hey, I'm just here to fill the role. Whatever LeBron makes or whatever he wants, we're going to make him happy. These guys are going to work with LeBron. He's the team. As soon as Irving went, that was the only way they were going to win. LeBron is going to have to go, you know, 38 with 12 rebounds and nine assists. Get the hell out of his way. If you want to, you know, wrestle for the leader spot on the team, that ain't going to work. These guys will not get in his way. <laughs> Who was wrestling for the leader spot? Dwayne Wade? I think IT was. Okay, and so I trade also, one guy. I think the other, the other, trade the, the, one guy. Again, the, the, and the other problem, who, who looks at Derrick Rose and goes, hey, that guy is going to be a championship-level player coming off the bench. It's he a is a total pain in the rear end. He was a drama queen with the Knicks. It was going to be the same thing with the Cavaliers. That's why the only thing I will rip consistently with LeBron is his ability to be the GM. So he did a terrible job. They hit the reset button. And now they've got everyone we think going in the same direction. Who's the, who is the right now Kyrie, or I'm sorry, check that right. <laughs> right now, Kevin Love is the second best player on the Cavs, right? Yeah. And where's Kevin Love uh, rotation wise on Golden State? 
He's a bench player. So he doesn't start. No. So let's call him sixth. I mean, I guess you could you could play him. You could play him out. You the could big, do anything. No, you could play him at the big spot. Yeah, I mean, their, their best line, forget, but their forget, best lineup is Draymond Green at center. Yeah, forget positions though. Yeah. Is is if you were just starting a draft, if you were an agent and you and wanted to get guys that were good so you could make money, getting your ten percent. Is he? I mean, the question is: Is he fifth or sixth? I think. So he's fifth or sixth. He's also the the premise of the question. He's a terrible match for that team. Like they already have all these dudes yeah, who are offensive minded. But he what I'm saying defense. is, he's the fifth best. Yeah. Who's the third best? Uh, so so <laughs> love. Who's the third best player on the Cavs? This is a great question. It's like five guys. Any given night, it's five guys. So there. picking one, it doesn't matter. So pick one. We'll go Rodney Hood. All right. Where's Rodney Hood in the league? So let's think about it. If you're the best player on your team, that's going to usually be one to 30. Now, obviously some like Golden State has multiple players that would be on that list. Then you'd have 31 to 60, right? You have 61 to 90. Where is Rodney Hood? Safely a top 75 player. He was averaging 17 points a game with Utah, a decent team. All right. So, and, and Kevin Love, we're thinking is somewhere in the the forties or fifties. Sure. So you have the best player, number 40, and number 75, all right? And on the other team, you've got you have two, three, seven, nine. You I have mean, four of the top 12, if you really appreciate everything that Draymond Green does. Right. So was the answer for the Cavs that, hey, we got a guy, Isaiah, if somehow he gets healthy and somehow he is able to think about this team as a team, you know, whoever's a fall, then... All of a sudden now, Isaiah, was he fifth best last year? Maybe, maybe not, but he certainly was. You know, he could be top 20, top 30 if he gets healthy, right? If he was fifth last year or close to it. So isn't the real indictment here that LeBron, because it, it, it seems like, Cofield, your reoccurring theme here has been fall in behind LeBron. But if the only people that, if Dwayne Wade won't fall in behind him, <laughs> then maybe it's the leader's fault. And yeah, you, but uh, but it, I never mentioned Wade as a roadblock. I think it was mostly Isaiah Thomas, and I have no trust in Derrick Rose being a team guy. Then why get rid of Wade? I think they just did that to be nice to him because he wasn't going to have much of a role and let him go play in Miami. He can retire there. He just wasn't a useful piece. No, he's not getting in anyone's way. He's just not good anymore, and he's not consistent. I mean, was that the assumption coming into the year that they thought it was, uh, or he just underperformed that much? He wasn't that great in Chicago. He put up numbers. I know, but, but know, why they you, sign you, him then? Up, because because LeBron is an emotional GM. It's like it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy manager building his basketball team. Why would you trade Kyrie Irving in the first place? That's right. the, that started all of this, and it was a bad trade. Aside from the pick they got, it was a terrible trade. The eighth pick in the draft. Ooh. Well, we thought because the Nets were god awful yeah. last year that it was going to be a top three pick. And by the way, we don't have to deep dive on the draft. A good GM will get someone good at the eighth pick. This is one of the best big man drafts of the last twenty five years. Yeah, as good but as you have to as good it. as Greg Oden. I don't know. You'd have to take that up. I mean, we don't want to say, personally oh, attack anyone. I mean, you have to take that up with some people who thought Oden was much better than Kevin Durant. Well, it wasn't people; it was everybody. No one in the world, like maybe you had some crazy, you were on some like brokered show back <laughs> then. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, were you really a Durant guy? No. All right. Because Bill Simmons was the only guy that said that I read that said, maybe I think about taking Durant. I mean, uh, Greg was like thought to be one of the best players of the last like 20 years. Mm -hmm. And he got hurt. Yeah. 
Well, I don't or, think it was a scouting issue. I mean, it's like... Uh, well, but that's know. back to the idea. They're saying now he probably would have been less, re, uh, not as highly regarded because they could have, they can watch the gate of how you walk and right. the computers will figure out if you're prone to injury now. Well, that's, a, that's a hell of a comeback on my point that this is a great big man draft. You still have to get the... Like, you're right. There are eight elite big men in the draft coming up. Three might turn out to be really yeah. good players. Three will be solid. The other two might stink. I mean, this is Colin's point, right? About a bird in the hand versus two in the bush is at best, unless there's a, a generational player, which is rare, right? LeBron was a generational, but Odin was one too. We thought, so I, like I, I think if you're a generational player, it's 75%, you're good. But if you're not one to 10, we had a guy at UNLV here that got drafted number one, right? Anthony Bennett. And he was well, out of the league now. Bouncing around the, the world playing D league. He, he flopped in Turkey. So, I mean, the point is it's, it's a coin flip at best. This draft, if it's third, if it's second, if it's eighth, it's a coin flip. Why are you holding that back when this is likely your last year to have a chance to win a title with LeBron? Doesn't make sense. But to wrap this topic is I personally believe that if I were betting a win total on the Cavs, Season wins, regular season. I would love this trade. I think they're over under to win post all-star break goes way up because of energy. Cause LeBron gets more interested. Cause he, cause now he's on the hook in a way for this trade, but I think that hurts them in the playoffs at two levels. One LeBron's probably a little more fatigued, right? From trying to make a statement in the regular season, a regular season we've agreed or everyone seems to agree. Doesn't matter if you're LeBron. And then I think inexperienced playoff players. Tell me the last time an inexperienced playoff team. Like, I don't know every player's history. Amongst those, that myriad of guys that you talked about that could be the third best on the Cavs, who has the most playoff experience? Well, I don't think George Hill is the third best in terms of scoring, but he's got the most playoff experience. Which is what? Since the Spurs. Almost Zippo. <laughs> so, you know, playing it, with the Pacers and the Spurs, he, he got playoff games. But obviously, Nance and Clarkson have been on a loser franchise with the Lakers. So, and the Jazz haven't exactly uh, killed it in terms of going to the playoffs with Rodney Hood. So when has, I mean, when has a team with a majority of their starters being so inexperienced in the playoffs ever even got to the championship round? That almost never happens. The NBA is very structured. You make baby steps. Now, LeBron doesn't make baby steps because he always makes the finals. But we'll see. You have no argument for me. I, this is a hot take that I threw out. Uh, during the offseason, I think the Celtics are the team in the East. And I actually think they're the team in the NBA from like 2020 to 2026. So I have supreme confidence in that coach and what they're building. And I, I thought in the offseason, the Celtics were going to take out LeBron. And I got mocked and chided repeatedly. Oh, of course, LeBron's going to make it. He's LeBron. Like, no, not based on this offseason. Not when you trade Kyrie Irving for that. That's Steve Cofield. He has trafficked in hot takes for 25 years. Come on, 2020 <laughs> to 2026. The Celtics are going to be the team in the NBA over the Warriors. That's a good hot take that you can track even after I die from a heart attack because I go to buffets and drink a lot. Yes. That's my legacy. Remember that guy who croaked on live radio back in 2019? He left saying the Celtics were going to be the team and that GSW would fall apart. <laughs> You've had multiple former partners die, though, right? 
well, I hope it doesn't happen to the current guy, but I generally try to slim myself by doing a show with a really fat guy. So no matter how fat I get, they're like, wow, he's a small guy. How, how many guys of your partners have, you, has, have died before the age of 60? I think just one. Uh, well, man, I told you the story. I got in the radio. I filled in on the morning show because the uh, the previous morning host had a uh, a drug issue and they dumped him off naked in front of a hospital in Vegas back in 97. <laughs> funny now, not that funny then. And also not, I don't know. I don't know where Wild Bill is now. So I hope he's all right. <laughs> but thanks, WB, for getting me in a radio. <laughs> Next topic. Speaking of Vegas. Segway. Thinking about drinking. This is a good segue. Chuck Charles. Barkley was on Jimmy Kimmel and he told a story and this is, is really, really interesting. He told a story in which he was with the Sixers setting it up here. And he, his agent called him at 11 in the morning and said, Chuck, you're going to Los Angeles. Now this was the late eighties, early nineties. So magic is still in the mix. All right. And this is how Chuck responded. So me and my boys went out to celebrate. We started getting drunk in the middle of the day. <laughs> uh, I was so excited. My agent called me back about three hours later. He said, the Sixers pull out the deal. And we got a game that night. <laughs> I, I don't remember anything about that game. Uh, but I, first of all, I was so pissed. Uh-huh. But I was so drunk, too. <laughs> I, I have no idea what happened that game. You don't know your stats? Did you? Uh, I do not even remember the game, actually. Oh, like, I can remember a lot of games I played, but that day, we were so excited. I was getting out of Philadelphia, and I was blasted. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. We had a lot. We were doing shots and everything. Was that the only time you played while intoxicated? No. No. <laughs> so, Cofield, you've got a uh, couple good, or at least one, Barkley story when it comes to gambling. I mean, uh, and this has made the rounds, but you've read a bunch about this is how much he's lost just in Vegas betting. Well, he says he's lost like $30 million, which is sort of amazing because he had one of the bigger Super Bowl wins that we can remember from a celebrity. So that first Rams Patriots Super Bowl when the Patriots were plus 14 people, I guess a lot of our younger listeners podcast. So maybe you're under 25. You don't remember that the uh, Patriots were plus 14 in that game against the Rams. That was the first Super Bowl for Brady. Bledsoe went down in game two. So they had this miraculous run. They're gigantic dogs and Barkley got down money and won upwards of like $700,000 on that Super Bowl. Maybe the last big score he's had in Vegas, which is a misnomer. He must win at times. I know he was in town about two weeks ago playing blackjack at $25,000 a hand. So he's still... He goes hard. He goes real and hard. And you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. Yeah. <laughs> so Chuck lives it up. I love calling him Chuck. Is a <laughs> couple things about that. One, and this is kind of pregame.com. Hey, here's some advice. I wonder how that game was bet in the late 80s. Because what probably happened was. It was actually 92. It was 92. Yeah, I don't know if it was the. The end of the 92 season or the beginning of the 92-93? With, with, with the trade? Yes. Okay. Because he said on the show before the clip, he thought it was late 80s or early 90s. So, okay, fair enough. I, you know what? I did a quick search. Yeah, maybe. It's, a, it's a 90, it 92 within, that the Lakers tried to trade for him. It fits within the you know yeah, yeah. The, his range. So, um, so the question is, 
He shows up at the arena. He's smelling of alcohol. He's, you know, slurring, whatever. What happens? Couple. It only takes two or three people to get on the phone. They call two or three people they know. Now there's eight or 12 big batters betting limit bets. I probably only moves a point and a half, right? I'm guessing, but here's the point. When you see a line move that doesn't make sense to you, it's like, this is an obvious public money. Probably people know something you don't. And that's the thing. As much as you think, oh, I liked it at four. I, you know, minus four. I love it at minus two and a half. Yeah, but why did it move to two and a half? If you know why and you disagree, great. Now you're getting extra value. If you don't know why, be scared. Doesn't mean you don't play it. It means just be cautious. Um, This also, though, Cofield segues well into Vegas and the NFL draft, which we're on the list, baby. Yes. Story comes out today from Adam Schefter that 2019 or 2020 NFL draft, Vegas is in the running with Cleveland, Nashville, Kansas City, Denver to get the draft. I don't know if back-to-back years are going to give one of those cities the draft, but I would assume Vegas with the Raiders on the way and because we're Vegas. So where else would you want to be with the NFL draft that we're getting one of these? I tell you, I'm not sure I agree with you. I think the Raiders and the Davis family, I think they really, really, really irritated Goodell with this move. I mean, do you think Goodell wants a team in Vegas? No. Do I think when it comes to moves like this, that Raj is really the commissioner? No. I think Jerry Jones wanted a team in Vegas. Well, I think Jerry, Jerry Jones, Jones can't get rid of Goodell, so he has to have some power. But, but Jones had a lot of power in getting the team to Las Vegas because he's the one who lined up the extra funding. And so, he's also the one who owns Legends Hospitality that'll handle like everything around the stadium just like it does around the stadium in Santa Clara. So you're saying the there's, there's, there's financial elements that aren't yes, obvious. Yes, yes. I can't. It's hard to imagine that. Right? <laughs> Rich guys know how to get richer and and have their tentacles seemingly in a lot of areas. Maybe they should. Money never sleeps, pal. Money never sleeps. <laughs> but you don't think you don't think Las Vegas, you think it's floated out there as what? A little tease? Like, hey, you're part of the NFL, but here's what I think. I, I, I don't think Goodell likes being strong armed. If you, uh, Colin always talks about billionaires and how they have you know, a, a certain kind of life. And I think Goodell's not a billionaire, but he wields the power of a billionaire. Do you think he wants to go on shows like Colin and, and, or all the shows he goes on and be asked about Vegas and gambling? You know, he, you can tell his, his neck tightens up. He, I'm not saying that at some point he wouldn't have embraced gambling. He wanted to do it on his terms. And now it's being forced upon him. By this move to Vegas. I don't see that. He was here for the groundbreaking for the stadium, and he looked like he was living it up. He didn't have to show up. I mean, so we're going by your observation of what he looked like at I the groundbreaking? He, I think he's... You all, should play poker. Well, you, I mean, you could know what hand people have. He's also done some interviews on uh, old Mike and Mike where he's... Embrace might be a little bit strong, but I think he's come to the realization that I got to pump this thing up and give it a good angle. And, you know, so you gonna, just made the point. I got to pump it up, meaning it's not genuine. It's disingenuous. Right, but I think he's into the point where he's not going to be anti Vegas and block. The yeah, but there's, there's 32 places they could have the draft. How many places? Well, he's on there. They just released a list of five. They're obviously, yeah. why are they doing it? Well, I mean, PR move. Like we sort of like you, but 
Not enough. We wouldn't be talking. I mean, it, it, probably for the conversation element of it. And and let's lastly on this topic talk about what was the last time either the NBA or baseball or football did something uh, again NFL pros in Vegas. The NFL? No, oh, NFL, or NBA. NBA or baseball. The NBA with the All Star game. How'd that go? It was terrible. You were here on the ground? Yes. I was too. It was scary. You were probably more on the ground than me. Yes, I was running T- for my tell life. Tell the story. It was a disaster. I got uh, it. Crowds came in from Southern California. Everyone stayed up all night. People didn't get rooms. And then there were a bunch of, you know, dining and dashing and people smoking weed all over the place, which is more acceptable now. <laughs> uh, but no, it got out of control. They didn't have enough security. Um, but do you think what? The NFL draft is going to bring the same sort of crowd and there'll be security woes. I think Vegas learned from that. I mean, but how, but do you think Goodell believes that? Yes. I think he's bought in at this point. I I think he's in. All right. All right. We'll see. Don't don't you believe that, that he, did he really ever hate Las Vegas? Or is that the image he had to portray because of the integrity of the league? And I think blah, blah, blah. We hate gambling. I think you've been, you've been here for how many years? Since 96. And you grew up, you grew up in Jersey. Yes. And was it Jersey where you'd go into Manhattan once a month when you were 17, or were you just some hill jack from Jersey? <laughs> I don't know if I went in once a month. Were you but part I... of the bridge and tunnel crowd coming in? Yes, every once in a while. Yes. Right. So Train, you had yes. a kind of a cosmopolitan, you know, you were on the fringe, almost like, uh, what was it? It was um, it was Boogie Nights, right? He's watching, he's looking at Manhattan across the river kind of thing. Was it like that? Not quite that fringy. The, the counties that I come from, everyone works the majority work in the city. So okay. you're accustomed to going to the city. All right. So you've had this cosmopolitan big city life pretty much your whole or your whole life, right? I Vegas. Yep. I right. Well, no, but you what I'm saying is you don't realize the people that love control. Goodell love you can just tell. You don't often don't get to a position like that if you're not an alpha that wants to control the pieces on the board. Vegas by definition is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? That's the tagline. It's out of control. I, I just don't think in general, billion old billionaires like, I mean, Jimmy, the whole point of what the Cowboys owner did, Jerry Jones was about, he was the visionary. He was the guy who's not the old fogey, right? And he was the guy that also made the Rams thing happen with, you know, building the stadium and building the complex and all that great stuff. But do you really think the Roonies are all anxious to come to Vegas? Yeah, I'm starting to Anxious is strong. <laughs> Again, I don't think they're the decision makers. I think in the I, end. So, so we, yes, yes, in the in 19 or 20, uh, Vegas gets it. Yes, minus 220. So what's my take back? Plus 200? Uh, I'm a really chintzy book, so it's a plus 120. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Plus 180? 180. So I'll, I'm betting 100. So what the bet ah! is, yes, no, will... One in the years that they're spanning here, yes. will Vegas get it once? 2019 or 2020 was the yeah. announcement today. Will they get one of those years? And I'm betting 100 to win 180, 180. on the no. Is oh. this going to be this whole show? No, I gonna but, get but there's going to be I mean, you're going to owe me. You're going to lose money for doing this. Yeah. Well, I already got just, killed on the bet I didn't accept like uh, two months ago about Belichick, yay or nay in New England. I should have uh, taken that one. All right. Next one. And we're, we got a couple more good topics left. This is don't bet on it. And we're telling you the hot takes not to bet on. Oh, college basketball, follow the money. Now, we'll be talking about this one a good bit. So I just want to touch on this high level. Here's my point, Steve. And Fezzik said this on the dream preview. So 
Guys, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to the Dream Preview. So every Wednesday a.m., the basketball edition's coming out. Fezzik, NBA specialist, Brad Powers College basketball. And we have Wednesday free picks, but also look ahead to Thursday, Saturday, overrated, underrated, NBA, all kind of great stuff every Wednesday. And Fezzik said the following. The college basketball committee is corrupt. And he's not a hot take guy. It was a strong corrupt. He even made it like three syllables. Corrupt. Like that. So <laughs> here's the here's the question. I agree. And I'm going to pose a couple of like, you know, evidence for your consideration. Oklahoma. Now in the newest Vegas rankings, and Brad puts those out every Friday. And it's one to like 330. He ranks the teams. He's got Oklahoma number 30. Oklahoma last 10 games, one and nine against the spread. So by definition, the spread is expectation. Only once have they exceeded Oklahoma expectation last 10. The NCAA in the reveal. Oh, the reveal in 16. Number 16, Oklahoma. Trey Young, you know, probably the most, uh, Highest interest player in basketball. Does that seem like a little corruption going on? Is that, does the committee really believe that Oklahoma is the 16th best team? Do I think the NCAA committee really uses blind resumes? Come on. Who believes that? Of course, they know (laughs) who Oklahoma is. They know Trey Young. They know Trey Young is good for ratings. And you know what? Why not reward a good guy like Lon Kruger? And he is a good guy. Why not? I don't apologize to take care of my family. So you're saying it's okay. I didn't say it was okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking you through their rationale. Yes. <laughs> All right. Allow me to present for consideration number two, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Probably the most radioactive program in Division One. Vegas, our rankings, in Brad's rankings, number four. In the future odds, number one, the best chance to win the tournament, Michigan State, and they're number 11 in the reveal. You think they're punishing MSU for negative press? No. I Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was. It wasn't the negative press. It's right. the negative press they would get by. I think they're going to set up. We've talked about this all the time. The Wichita states of the world. They make it like you've got, remember, you ever watch the old movie, Jeremiah Johnson? Oh, Robert Redford, he goes out and lives out in the country or not in the country, forget it, like out in the 1880s wilderness for years at a time. And he did something that made the Indians mad. And literally they sent Indian after Indian at like once a day, he had to kill an Indian. They wouldn't come at him more than one at a time. It was like their you know respectful way of doing it. It's like, if you're Wichita State, you've got to beat a killer every round to get to the Final Four. They do it to them every year. Yeah. Or any, or they match them up against other mid-majors so they knock each other off. Yeah. So, do you really think they want Michigan State in the Final Four? Because what's going to be the lead story on, not ESPN, not Fox, but wow. what's going to be the lead story on CBS, on you know, the, the nightly news? Do you think it's that sinister? That they will Is that any more roadblock? sinister than than they want Trey Young in there? Because if anything, what's the st- what's the incremental gain of having Trey Young, you know, be a little better seated than he should be? A small gain, right? 
I think this Michigan State, the bad press that could come from them going all the way to the Final Four and keeping that story out there, to me, I think that would have five times the negative effect as the positive effect Trey Young would have. So if they would do it for Oklahoma, why wouldn't they do it for to stop Michigan State? Well, it's not consistent for sure. You're right. It's not consistent. Because generally, if teams are highly ranked, like Michigan State, they honor the rankings. But in this case, with a power five, they're not honoring the rankings, which is really weird. And it's the one time there's the obvious negative of honoring the rankings. And why wouldn't you want to make it not as easy as possible, but give Michigan State a true run at the Final Four because they're perennially a Final Four team. And Tom is on the game, though, right? It's on the game. We're going to keep following that Mm. game right here on Don't Bet On It. Next, let's talk Kentucky. And this is our hottest, and this is not a compliment, our hottest take of the week. And again, a caveat, I'm a fan. I'm a a casual acquaintance of Clay Travis. He's helped me, and we've known each other for years. But, Clay, this is a little hot. This is about Kentucky and Coach Calipari and how good he is. Is John Calipari officially now, and some people are going to say this is crazy, an underachiever at Kentucky? He has been at Kentucky for nearly a decade now. He has won one national championship. He has been to several Final Fours, but the trajectory of the Kentucky basketball program is not looking good. They may finish around 10th in the SEC this year, which is just driving off the edge of a cliff. I wonder on some level whether going after all the one-and-dones has finally caught up with John Calipari because the guys like Coach Krzyzewski at Duke are now doing the same thing. And if John Calipari doesn't have better players than everybody else, I think he kind of gets exposed when it comes to actual coaching. And there was a lot of talk that John Calipari was the Nick Saban of college basketball in terms of his dominance. I think that's laughably absurd now. Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I've got a couple things I want to attack on this, Cofield. But first, your take on that take. There's so many hot, sizzling takes in the overall take. I hate the end. I hate the end about Saban. That's the who, only one who, I agree with. Who who said that? Well, if who some, said he's the Nick Saban of college basketball? Remember, Travis is what? in uh, Clay's in uh, Tennessee? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that SEC country, there's a whole different conversation going on on, lo- right. on talk radio. You're right. right? That's the talk there. Yeah. So to me, that's actually disrespectful to Nick Saban. Well, that's his point, right? He's saying, he's saying, you're but agreeing I, who with Who said it. that, though? Right. I want to know who said it. You're right. It has to be someone <laughs> in SEC country all caught up in SEC basketball. So set that aside. Right. Otherwise. No, I don't think it's a great take at all. The guy before this year made four Final Fours in eight years. That, so let's start that's pretty there. pretty good. Let's start. National championship. Now we're going to go prisoner of the moment because he's not having a great year this year. This group of one and dones is not great. Big deal. All right, so let's start there. Let's not talk about who did what, how much credit they deserve. Let's just look at hardware, but not just titles, but let's say you get one point for making the tournament, two points for making the second round, three for making the third, seven for winning a title. We can wait where seven becomes 10. We can wait the final four. It doesn't matter because it's going to be a variation on a theme. When it comes to performance in the postseason, Roy Williams won in the last decade, right? 
He's been very good. Yep. No, is anyone better? I was going to say Coach Coach K is with him, but he's also had too many early tournament exits, and those count too. All right. So Williams, Coach K, and Calipari. I mean, who could who could be in third instead of Calipari? I don't see anyone else. Right. So the third most accomplished coach in the last decade has underperformed. <laughs> I mean, right there. I get it. If if all you're going by is saying, well, if you have the number one recruiting class every year, you should be number one. And maybe you're right. May, but then the question becomes, is Calipari the third best X's and O's guy? Probably not. But is he top 20, 30? I don't even know. And Clay doesn't know enough to know either. Like Unless you're one of the 20 or 30 best, you don't know who's bad. The funny thing is I don't think any of the guys who have super elite talent ever get respect as X's and O's guys. Because X's and O's guys are generally well, yeah. attached to teams that have less talent. Like, oh, look what look what he's doing That's with this point. undersized center. Roy Williams gets ripped all the time as a terrible defensive coach. And Coach K has been getting, he, he, well, he certainly got killed about a week ago when North Carolina beat him. And people are saying, hey, you got all this talent. You got all these guys going in the first round. You're doing one and dones like Cal. And you can't beat your arch, you know, your arch rival. It's the same uh, Roy Williams that was not run out of Kansas, but was... Uh, probably his stay was getting a little long there because he couldn't win the big one. Right. Right. And John Elway couldn't win the big one. Isn't it funny? Dean Smith couldn't win the big one. Exactly. So exactly. guys like that get ripped. Like you go, you make it past the sweet 16 every year, but Hey, where are the championships? We need five. Yeah. There's one guy all time who does that. Well, it's two wooden and coach K over the course of his career. He finishes, he goes to the final four. He wins titles. They're not easy to win. William Roy Williams. You could argue now might be as good as he's ever been. So I think in general, what don't bet on it is probably built for is to say, if you have the third most accomplished coach of the last decade being called out for being unaccomplished, a little too hot, a little cold. I'd bet against, I I tell you this, (laughs) in theory, he should say, okay, you can have, uh, there's going to be 20, I'm going to pick 20 teams that are going to win. You know, let's say Calipari is number 21 instead of three next five years. If anyone wants to bet, Clay included anybody that there's going to, that I, he gets to pick 20 teams and then I get to pick the 21st and all 20 of his teams are going to do better than Calipari. You know, that's probably not a fair bet either way, but there's a way to make it where we could make a bet like this. And I'm guessing that no one would make it. Right. I don't know if Calipari is going to have the third, the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, but I would make a pretty major bet for as long as he coaches at Kentucky and who knows how long that's going to be. He'll be in the top 10 of accomplishment compared to all teams during that span. Would you bet no one? Clay, you can have eight teams, but you can't have Duke, Villanova, North Carolina, or Kentucky. Take another eight teams after that and go Kentucky national championship next five years versus your eight teams. Well, but that that's, that's saying Calipari's unbelief. The fact that that might be an interesting conversation probably says how absurd it is to say Calipari's underperformed. By the way, I left him Kansas, so that would be, that'd be a mistake. Oops. <laughs> now, second point I disagree with. In the same one-minute clip, you can't say this year and the underperformance is such the harbinger of things to come, as in they're going off a cliff which implies there's no way to turn it around because you're off a cliff, but also say that Calipari's over-reliance on one and done might be finally catching up to him, which implies the deck is reshuffled next year. Right. 
So that just seems like it doesn't even fit. By the way, the last time this happened, you remember 2012-13 season? They didn't make the tournament. They made the NIT that year. And then the next year, lose in the final. The next year, make the final four. So you're going to have bad years with one and done sometimes. You're just going to be low on experience, guys who aren't focused. And most importantly, Calipari on his good teams gets his one and dones to play defense. These guys don't play defense. Not like his good teams, and they don't have a point guard. You know, sometimes you wonder why Cofield's even here, and then boom, he hits <laughs> you. Right? He hits you it with was that. 48 minutes of crap. <laughs> no. Or was... is it that I actually agree with you on this take, and I was arguing the rest of the show? Who maybe. Think <laughs> 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 we're on to something. We. <laughs> I, I can't lie. Is when I tend to agree with people who agree with me. <laughs> Which makes sense, I think. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> All not right. naturally, though. We're not going to hot take uh, going against each other on purpose. We've got some Johnny Manziel and then our hot take. At the end of the shows, we're, we're going to do a hot take. But we think it's defensible because we'd be willing to put cold cash on it. First, though, Johnny Manziel, there's odds out. Will he play? Or no. Will he be on an NFL roster? Week one of next season. And this is online. Yes, plus 170. So it's the underdog. No, minus 250. Wow. You, you impute out the math. 66% chance. No, 34% chance. Yes, force bet. Oh, I'm taking the no. I would have gone no as high as minus 750. Well, we might have another bet here. So minus 750. I'm not, I'm not giving you. Well, I said as high as that. Okay. So, I have value. I don't have to bet the 750. You gave me 250. All right. So if now you, all of a sudden I got to pay on. you plus 500. No, no, no. If you say minus 750 is as high, that means you'd love to lay 500, right? You'd love it. All right. I'll take four to one. No. It's whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Say, <laughs> listen, on don't bet on it. You can't throw out numbers unless you're going to back <laughs> them up. Trying to illustrate. So, will you you want to you want to book? How's this? I actually feel pretty good about this. Give me plus two hundred. For how much now? I'm just going to be. <laughs> what, how am I the book all of a sudden? Because <laughs> you're the one making the line. But give me plus two hundred. I'll bet yes. Okay. All right, we got our second bet, and we'll keep these. I'm doing this show for free <laughs> for the next five years. I get a couple of bad breaks here. I am not playing the value side. It's not, yeah. Well, you think you are. That's the key. Well, I actually, I, I am. If the, I can't go back on saying minus 750, and then I get to do 250. It's great value. I was talking to an extremely sharp guy that, that knows the NFL and knows the South extremely well. He spent some years in Houston, and he said, remember, remember, Jerry Jones loves, loves Johnny football. And also remember all the, the strategies about Trump, right? I think Trump, I think it's unequivocal that when it comes to understanding the media in 2018, Trump understands the media in a unique way. Uh, if you agree or disagree with his politics, it's hard not to say that he controls, or at least he is uh, a big presence in the media. But what's one of the premises of his approach, which is when he wants you to look, he doesn't want you to look left. He starts a fire on the right or some, you know, variation of that. Okay. So Cowboys off, not a great season. A lot of question marks, right? Wouldn't put bringing Johnny football in. He loves him anyway. Third stringer. He's signing for the minimum. Worst case, he gets cut in week six or week eight. 
right? So, I mean, it doesn't mean he even has to last year, but for the whole preseason, are we going to be, is there going to, would, how much more would the Cowboys be talked about from July 15th to September 1st if scenario A is without Johnny Football and B is with him? They'll be talked about a lot. Like double as much? Yes. And how much would that cost Jerry Jones? What's the minimum? What are we looking at? 550? That's if they keep him the whole year. Yeah. How much does it cost to bring him in and, and at least get... But the bet, this is not a preseason bet no, for, this for, is for, for Pup. He has on, to make the team. On the roster week one. I'm confident. Uh-huh. I mean, here's what I'm confident in is that that is August that he's got to make it to to make it on a team. Where are we right now? Mid-February. He can talk all he wants about being on the straight and narrow. He gets it. He has problems. So if you believe he has legit substance problems, then that's advantage me. I'm not rooting for that. But I really do believe <laughs> the other thing with him is I love the term affluenza. He's got affluenza full blown. He's a rich kid. And there's always a safety net for him when he screws up. So he'll screw up again. Yeah. Maybe. And I also don't think anyone else around the league is that stupid. They have to know by now he's not an NFL quarterback. He's not. Well, first, do we know that? Like what you just said seems to contradict itself. On one hand, we're saying, and again, to me, the whole debate between is this an illness or is this uh, his limitations? I, to me, that's such a touchy debate because if you don't have an illness and you don't know anyone that does, and, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough, I mean, <laughs> probably an asshole sometimes. I don't know if that's an illness, but I can be a little tough. I can be a little tough. I can't. A lot You're of afflicted pe- with it. A lot of people would agree with that. <laughs> I, if we're working on something and you fall short, I'm not a, the nicest guy. Is that true, Stan? Or, or is that, I'm not, I'm not just no, being No, you're too, totally fair. I'm just being and too hard on, on myself. People, no, no, no. I didn't even know we were allowed to curse on this. <laughs> well, I'm going to lose not. it now. Usually not. I'm kidding. <laughs> but to me, that debate is more complex than this show, right? That's a three hour kind of, and I'd love to have it with like a psychiatrist, you know, someone that really understands it. No, I can stuff. handle it. <laughs> that was Dr. Good. Cofield. That was pretty good. actually. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, I'll tell you this, this is what I know for sure is if you look at the mock drafts before his last year, Manziel was number one. I get the idea in hindsight, we can always say, well, Jeff George didn't make it because of his attitude and so-and-so didn't make it because of this. And, you know, but if Russell Wilson wouldn't have made it, we would have said, oh, because of his height, right? But he did. So now, oh, he's the exception is, and again, we can debate how good Mel Kuyper is and how good McShay is, but they had him number one before his last year. So he can't, if he does actually have an affliction and if medication will help, is it possible that a first round talent where forget the way he played, but coming out of college, where did you think Manziel should have been drafted? Third round. All right. Third. And, r- I, and I, I just want, I got to drop in here. You can drop in any time on the Kuiper part. I don't necessarily believe that Mel Kuiper puts anyone number one because he believes they're number one, a topic. We have the draft coming up. I think favors are done, and I also think if you want to talk about this show and hot takes, I think draft Knicks have hot takes. So a hot take for debate and getting clicks on ESPN is putting Johnny Manziel one. Yeah, but you don't put him one if you don't think he's top 10. I mean, because his reputation's worth more than, I mean, uh, after that Clawson thing. Yeah. See, but most people forgot about that. No. (laughs) No, I think, I think, well, it just got brought up again by awful announcing, but. That's what I'm saying. No one's forgotten about that. 
the average person doesn't remember that. They just, hey, Kuiper, we see him on the draft. He's an expert. Where did I have met? This is what I said about Manziel. He was not a first-round pick, and I thought eventually his value would be as Danny Woodhead. But even a third-round... Not even a quarterback. But but even a third-round pick, assuming we can't take what's happened in his career to date seriously, as in, hey, he was effed up, now he's not... And I'm not, I don't know that he's not, but if he's not, now he's still a third round talent, right? He's, he's just, what, 25? I'm not sure he's a third round talent anymore. It might be more like a fifth or sixth. And then when you combine the risk and the stuff off the field, you know, remember, you're also getting a guy who's been in trouble with women. Talk about a, yeah. a, a changed attitude on with the hashtag Me Too and the whole league with domestic violence. Now you're going to take on that guy who was alleged to have well, the reason whacked I, his girlfriend no, on the no. side of the head and busted but is that I haven't followed that fully. Is that resolved at this point? Of course, yes. No, okay. it, it got dropped, as so, most of these cases do get dropped. But what I'm saying is I, I I don't know what really happened, but it feels like that's behind him at this point, right? I don't, I don't I mean, believe uh, it. I guess, when you, when you, you're, I guess when, we're debating two different yeah, things. Yeah. And, and tell me what you're debating because I want to know. Are you debating this is a sign of his character and that's another reason not to have him? I would tend to agree with you there. Yes. If you're saying, oh, why take on the PR risk? I don't think there's any PR risk because I think that's that incidence behind him. Now, will he do it again? You know, maybe you are taking a little bit of extra risk. So which one were you debating? I'm, I'm actually combining all I'm combining four factors here. So I don't think he's that talented. I think he is a PR risk off of the field. I think he's completely undisciplined and he may have an addiction issue. So, I mean, there's so many pitfalls. Like, is it worth it to have him around? But does it, wouldn't the off, uh, off season, wouldn't training camp be a test of that? Meaning you're, no one's going to sign him to a seven-year deal, yeah. right? All right we, did we'll just go, we did just go through a whole season, and it's a completely different case because it's a more politically charged with Colin Kaepernick where people just made the decision, it ain't worth it. Can he be, is he one of the top 64 quarterbacks in the world? Yes. Well, so it, so it, is Tebow. It, it just ain't worth it. So is Tebow. Any quarterback—that's that's a good debate. I'm any not even quarterback sure that a, can win a playoff game uh, is probably a, a backup he next be, year. He might be the outlier. There were a lot of uh, there was a lot of yak yards after the catch when Tebow was out there. His his big touchdown play in the playoffs was to Demarius Thomas seven yards downfield, and yeah, but they goes, got to overtime against the Steelers to do that. And again, I'm not saying that that what I'm saying is the distract NFL not liking distractions go every direction. It goes if you're too, you know, if you're too famous for being, uh, you know, as religious or you know whatever the phenomenon around him was and still is to the point with baseball, right? Is that's something the NFL says no, thank you, unless you're good enough, right? If you're Tom Brady in your prime, doesn't matter. If if it's legal for you to be on the field, you're going to be on the field. Ray Rice would have been on the field right after that suspension. If it was three years before and he was one of the top seven backs in the league, yep. Big Ben still in the league. But let's not let's not conflate Big Ben with uh, as a Steeler fan. Let's not conflate. <laughs> I mean, we got to. Oh, and if Big Ben was a backup and had two different assault or rape charges, he's probably a long shot. He's sticking. Up. I can't hear you. Yeah. Are you saying something? He's a change man. It never happened. You get my point though. When you're six five and two sixty and you know, one of the best seven quarterbacks of your era, you get to stick around. You have a little more leeway. All right. We got our second bet plus 200 Manziel's. Our, hey, listen, I bet a lot of people would like to cross bet this and be on my side. That's what I'm guessing. All right, guys, last topic. And then we're going to be out every Friday morning, every Friday morning 
with Don't Bet On It. Let us know what you think. Obviously, first show, we're feeling our way through it. Um, but I felt like this show was pretty representative of what we're, we're going to do. We're also, on the weeks we don't have as many topics, we're going to have the old man rant. Steve Cofield moving towards 50 fast. <laughs> <laughs> Said by the much younger guy. <laughs> is he he gets mad at kids on his lawn. He gets mad if someone I mean, we can't do 20 seconds on I mean, we just did a, a two hour Fox show. By the way, Steve's the host of that and I co-host with him. Straight out of Vegas, Fridays at eleven PM to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, ten to midnight. So it's midnight Vegas time. We're walking out two hours of show and he starts ranting about grocery store carts. Give us just 20 seconds. Ah, oh, this is so not my old guy rant tonight or today or this morning. Really? You, you got another one? Yes. How, I have can, one every day. Can you do it in 40 seconds? Uh, yes. Go. I'll actually put betting odds on this. I just saw today that Jennifer <laughs> Aniston is splitting with Justin Thoreau. And people are trying to make a soft landing for her and say that she's going back with Brad Pitt. Stop. <laughs> Aniston is a nightmare. She must be a pain in the ass to be with. She's been married three years to this guy, Thoreau. He's very attractive. He's very attractive. Nice abs, right? And she, he couldn't tolerate her either, just like Brad Pitt. She's not getting back together with Pitt. It's not happening. Now, sometimes you got to call it like it is. Some people are just not good relationship people. Aniston's got issues. Are you married? No. <laughs> mutually, mutually single. As I call her on local radio, the significant other, the SO is right with me. Has anyone ever met this girl? Of course. Like yes. that, that I know. I yes. can verify. Oh, totally. Okay. Very lovely lady. Yes. Very remember, easygoing. Remember on <laughs> the breakfast club, right? And the dude had the girlfriend at Niagara Falls. Sure. <laughs> sure. No, I'm not pulling a Manti tail. This is not a... Lene Kakua. All right, so we're going to do more of the old man rant from rapidly aging Steve Cofield. Oh, you didn't feel confident on betting me on the uh, will she get back together with Brad Pitt in the next year or so? Nope. Okay. You got to study up on it. <laughs> next next week, we'll come in and don't bet on it and be like, I read some rumors. I, I, I was on TMZ. I went to the Daily Mail. I Let's am, go. I am fascinated how that relationship still, I mean, I you know, I don't go to the grocery store much. I'm lucky enough. I You know, my wife handles that, but is... When I'm at a 7-Eleven or something and I glance, it seems like they're still on the cover. Those two. They broke like, up like in 2005. Like 30% you know, of the time. You know what it is? People love Brad Pitt and they wanted him to be. Actually, I'll flip it. They love Jennifer Aniston. They wanted her to be with Brad Pitt. And they're just, you know, Brad Pitt must be an a-hole to dump her. Like, no, it keeps happening. All right. Here's our hot take. The Philadelphia Eagles oh. might <laughs> Be in trouble. Oops. I thought we were in the full-blown old man rant section. No, we were you just, just giving a, a little tease. For, we're just giving Sorry. a little tease for that. That was longer than 40 seconds. <laughs> my bad. Eagles. Here's the hot take. Eagles might be in trouble. Here's my thinking, Steve. You grade me. What we'll do each time is one of it might be your hot take. It might be mine. Then we'll grade each other just as harshly as we would Colin or Stephen A or whomever. Here's my thinking. Doug Peterson. Now, I'm going to acknowledge something. Doug Peterson, when it comes to in-game management, do we go for it on fourth down? Do we punt here, et cetera? That was the greatest Super Bowl called game I've ever seen. The gutsiest. 
And I don't even think it's close. Now I'm not critiquing Bill Walsh and did he have the tight end stay in the block when usually, no, I'm talking about the kind of Madden type. Hey, if we're playing on Sega, would you punt here? Would you go for it here? That those kind of decisions, what Fezzik loves to tweet about on, on his Twitter at, at Fezzik sports, F E Z Z I K is a plus motivationally. Doug Peterson, a plus you lose a franchise quarterback late in the season. And somehow the team keeps playing hard a plus, but don't forget Mike Lombardi to me, one of the two or three, if not the best media guy that understands football, he was Belichick's imagine Belichick saying, Hey, let me pay you. You know, I don't know what he got paid three, four, 500 K probably maybe more. Let me pay you hundreds of thousands to hang out be next to me and let's talk football. <laughs> How much football do you know? All right. Lombardi throughout the whole year said Doug Peterson was a blow average NFL coach. In fact, shouldn't be an NFL coach. Now I think now Lombardi's recanted. He's like, I was wrong. I was wrong. Cause he was getting so much heat. Maybe he wasn't wrong. Maybe Lombardi was thinking about X's and O's and he wasn't thinking about things like in game management. Wasn't thinking about things like, you know, motivation for the team and that in, or, or I'm sorry, X's and O's let's assume I'm assuming Mike Lombardi was right. Doug Peterson's way below average. And now what's happened on offense. They've lost their top two, not just one, their top two offensive minds and they're choosing not to hire a replacement. Hmm. Go. So Reich is gone and Filippo is gone. So which part do you want me to address? Lombardi? Anything. So first of all, I'm really embarrassed by Mike Lombardi. If you're going to be a sports talker, don't come off your stance after one result. No, this is one result. He no, I want to see him with other assistants, and then he can prove long-term that he's a great coach. He had a great game. They had a great season. But the staff did it together. Let's see what he's like without those really good assistants, but there's two Belichick's had to prove this over and over again, and he's going to have to do it again. I wouldn't have come off the stance. There's two different debates though. If the debate is, is Peterson a great coach? You're right. It hasn't been proven. If the debate is he shouldn't be on an, he shouldn't be an NFL coach. He's incompetent. That's been proven. This guy should be an NFL. coach. There's a lot of bad NFL coaches. Obviously there's a, there's a revolving door with many of them every three years, but assuming where Lombardi was coming from was the X's and O's. And as now they lose two guys, two guys good enough to go upwards, coordinator to head coach, quarterback coach to OC. It seems like those are pretty good coaches. And now that he's saying, no, on top of all my other responsibilities, I'll also be a coordinator. I think it's a problem. Pretty gutsy, pretty gutsy and bad decision-making. I think, is he a little arrogant because he got it done? Who knows? I mean, maybe he hires an OC in a couple months. By the way, Belichick might not be hiring a DC. Greg Schiano turned him down. How much money does Ohio State have? My God, a million and a half dollars they gave to Schiano. So Schiano turns him down, and Belichick may not hire a DC. Well, that. Now, who do you have more of an issue with? Issue? That makes me want to go back to Patriots right now. <laughs> the last, I can tell you this. I'm, what's the scariest thing in the NFL? is if your position group, you hear the week before playing the Pats, the Belichick's taking over that group. 
right? They were talking about this on the ringer is they said, could Belichick be the best coach? Uh, this was the same show, the football part, but it was the other guys, not Lombardi is they said, would Belichick be the best coach at every position in the NFL? I'm not going to say the best at every position. No. So what position would he be inferior? I don't know. Like O-line. Really? You don't think he knows the O-line? I'm trying to think back from watching the, <laughs> watching the two bills. He actually did coach other positions. I think he was a tight end coach early in his career. He's the best special teams guy that's ever lived. I mean, and he was a special teams coach. You're right. When he first started. I mean, there's a great book. I've recommended this a few times. It's called the making of a coach. And it was written by a historic, I think Haberstam's the last name of the author, but just look up on Google. And it was a guy who did like a lot of war biographies, like serious biographies, spent a year or whatever with Belichick. And I mean, Belichick has just been upset. He's been watching, you know, 12 hours of film a day since he was like 14 years old. I think OC is what they said. Maybe not. You know, he'd be the third best OC. But yeah, Belichick or Doug Peters, I'm taking Belichick. See, if Lombardi hadn't backed off, he could actually double down now and go, I'm telling you, this coming year, that offense is going to be terrible. And it's all part of him taking the OC gig. And Wentz coming off an injury, people figuring out Nick Foles. But Cofield, Lombardi hasn't trafficked in hot takes for 25 years like you. It takes a while to learn. You got to get up to speed, brother. Don't back off your stance. Listen, this guy, all joking aside, he's one of the true or not. I don't know. True. He's one of the undiscovered talents (laughs) <laughs> in the country. I, I agree. You sh- you are better than, than, than a large percentage of national hosts, in my opinion. That's why you're a national host with me. I got to pluck you out of obscurity, pluck you from the choir, as they say. I'm like an old Sean McVay. <laughs> I'm Sean McVay, like with like three years shelf life. That's it. Thanks for, thanks for discovering me. The old boy genius. And this was all a lead up to talk about his Twitter on Twitter. Steve Cofield, that's C-O-F-E. Oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> C-O-F-I-E-L-D. Cofield. Okay, yes. Cofield. Like yeah. a field. Okay. Sure. Not yeah. two Fs, just one F. All right. Get Steve right. Cofield, all one word, one F. Get the F out with Co. Oh, there you go. That's what they did. When is Colin going to do my Twitter handle? Never. We're not going to lay that down <laughs> like you have for Stephen A. Smith? <laughs> Can I get Jason Smith to do it? Eh, we'll see. At RJ in Vegas for me. Guys, let us know what you think. I actually enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next Friday morning.